This tyre is shortly to make the ultimate sacrifice, or at least have a date from hell with destiny. And by destiny, of course, I mean... It's Nemesis. In the immortal words of Oscar Goldman from the 1970s, remember him, we can rebuild it. We have the technology. It's not going to be better or stronger or faster, and it's not going to cost you anything like $6 million to tool up for this. You'll get change out of 200 dude, come on. But you will be turning and burning and all pumped up and back on the road within minutes, and you will not have to deploy the jack or the spare tyre. So, there's that. Details next. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the card that's possibly up there now. Dude. This video is sponsored by Olight, which makes some of the best LED flashlights available. Big sale starting tonight from 8pm, that's Sunday the 26th. It runs all the way through until the 30th of September at midnight. There's a link in the description and I'll have details in just a sec. Okay, so this used to be just a dingo piss creaky and adventurer thing, you know, if you're going out there into the land beyond McDonald's. You used to have to know this kind of thing. Carry two spares, get yourself a means of repairing endless flat tires, okay? But there's so many cars out there now running space saver spare tires, which are fine if all you ever do is drive from home to the local train station in a greater metropolitan area, and Fine for limping home, 5, 10 k's, something like that, okay? But if you drive moderately long distances away from big cities and then you come back and you get a flat tyre way out there, you'll be running on the space saver, dude, which is just, it's not fun, okay? Like, it's so not fun, especially in the night, in the rain, on the freeway. Because A, they don't grip the road very well, these space savers, and B, they're generally limited to about 80 k's an hour. And that's dead set dangerous in those conditions because the traffic behind you is closing on you at at least 30 k's an hour. And not all these people pay attention, okay? So this is why you need to know this stuff if you do that kind of driving often enough. I'd tool up for this. It's certainly easier than fitting a full-size spare in many new cars because the wheel wells are often insufficient to accommodate a full-size spare tyre. And this won't solve you uh, all of your puncture problems, but it'll get you a long way down the track. See, a lot of punctures are the result of something like this, okay? Like, the builder's ute bounces one of these bugle-headed countersink screws, and it sits like this in a crack in the road, like two join, a join between two slabs. It's just sitting there like this, waiting for you, and you drive along with the family. You're all having nice thoughts, pumping out the fat beats, and next minute the tyre's into this at 100 miles an hour, and you're having a bad day on the side of the freeway. So these kinds of punctures can be solved, and what you will need is a puncture repair kit, like a plug kit, and you'll need some means of reinflating the tyre. The only other caveat before we get cracking on this is I'd suggest that if you do get a flat tyre, the number one consideration is your personal safety while you deal with it. Because, like I said before, not all of these people are paying attention. So 
it's easy to focus on the defect, which would be the problem with the tyre, and just stop at the first opportunity. But that can be a real dangerous decision, okay? And what you've got to do in these circumstances is think clearly and look primarily for a safe spot, away from crests, away from the outside of curves, nicely insulated laterally from the traffic flow because not all of those people are going to give your safety the respect it deserves. So that responsibility, dude, it's down to you. And what I'm gonna assume at this point is that you are actually stopped in a safe location ready to do this surgery. And what you need to do then is obviously identify the defect, which in our case is gonna be pretty easy because we'll do that right now, shall we? Of course, it is almost a crime to do that with a perfectly serviceable high-performance tyre. And while we're here, check these out. These are fuglies because marketing, Australia. Okay, you put them on your fugly head, dude. I don't know if you can see that there, but they're actually bifocal. Right down here, they've got a little bifocal element in the lens, and in my case, they're plus twos. And you order them in the strength that you need, obviously, but it allows me to wear proper safety specs. And I can see down here, up close and personal, in focus, which is a complete novelty if you're an old fart, because you lose the ability to focus up here. And it's a proper safety spec, AS1337, the medium impact standard, 45 metres a second, which is like 150 kilometres an hour or something. And it's proper protection around the workshop without being military spec ballistic. Okay, so it's the one that all safety specs that you buy for workshop operations have to be. All right, and you can get them as sunnies, you can get them with the bifocal element, you can get them without the bifocal element, you can get full lens magnifiers in the strength you want, and they're not sponsoring this segment, I just bought them and love them because they changed my frigging life in the workshop, I don't have to juggle magnifiers and safety specs, they're all in one now and I know I'm protected when I'm doing anything, and uh, just google them dude, fuglies, okay, so... They changed my life if you got hair like mine, i.e. none, <laughs> then you probably can't focus up here either and they'll really help if you're doing this kind of stuff. So there's that. We'll get into repairing this defect in just a sec. Olight is a solid sponsor of this channel. They make more reports like this possible. The O'Fan Day September sale is on from 8pm tonight, the 26th of September, until midnight on the 30th, and you'll get up to 45% off in that time. A giveaway coming up too for auto expert viewers, so subscribe now and be prepared to comment if you'd like to be in the running to win a free flashlight. First up, a torch called the Seeker 3 Pro, which is a great outdoor adventuring torch, maximum output a massive 4,200 lumens from four onboard LEDs, maximum runtime 15 days. There's a super clever USB magnetic charging system too, which is common to many Olight torches. A brilliant rotary side switch prevents accidental torch activation, and there's five output levels right down to just 
five lumens, which is great for preserving your night vision. Waterproof down to two meters and 1.5 meter impact drop rated. It weighs just 200 grams. So dingo piss creek, here we come. <laughs> The i5R EOS is next, an awesome little everyday carry torch with 350 lumens of output and a maximum runtime of 37 hours. There's two modes, you get 350 lumens on high and 15 lumens on low. You just double tap the tail switch for high. Waterproof down to 2 meters and drop tested to 1.5 as well. And this charges by USB-C direct into the custom port on the battery. It's a nice firm switch on this thing too, which prevents accidental turning on. And I, for one, hate being accidentally turned on. I hate it. It's so counterproductive. Bezel down pocket clip on this baby too, so it's basically always ready to rip in your hip pocket. It's only as wide as your palm and it weighs about 60 grams, so you'll never even know you're carrying it here or there. Great when you're under the car or under the house or in the hot tub with a few, let's call them, friends. But the Olight I'm most impressed by today and the reason I've integrated it with this DIY story is this one, the swivel. Because if you're going to break down, get a flat, whatever, it's never going to be that perfect spring day, is it? It's always going to be in the middle of the night with the sleet blowing in at 45 degrees and the highway knee deep in friggin' zombies guaranteed. Swivel is actually two light sources, a 200 lumen flashlight and a 400 lumen work light. Maximum runtime of 90 hours. The base is also a carabiner style hook and it's magnetic so you can angle it wherever you want. You can sit it on the deck, you can stick it to the car or you can hang it from whatever. And you'll have both hands free to get the job done. Whether that be fixing a flat tire or adjusting a bikini or consigning a dozen rampant zombies to the undead afterlife. Yes. And then after 90 hours, you just recharge it by USB-C. The work light has high, medium and low options and the torch has two different brightness levels. It's splash resistant and drop rated to one meter. Like, I'd marry the swivel. I really would, dude. If I weren't already engaged to the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Like, sorry, dude. I, I really do love the bridge. Link in the description, you can subscribe and comment right now, and I will select one lucky bastard for a free i5R and another LB for a free swivel, which sounds vaguely pornographic, but I assure you it is not. Lucky bastard selection will be based upon my wholly arbitrary determination of the best comments. Judge's decision is final, not a children's toy, the facts don't matter, like... Hey, it's 2021, dude. Batteries included. Comments may contain traces of nut. This is just our way of saying we love you in the most hetero conceivable concept. Not that there's anything wrong with the numerous alternatives available. Oh, light up, dude. What are you waiting for? Sale starts now. Link in the description. Plus a code for 10% off if you missed the sale because you were watching, I don't know, cat videos instead. Or even worse, Wheels Magazine's Mitsubishi Triton GSR review, which I did find truly horrific. <laughs>
the core component of this repair is one of these babies, a self-contained tire plug repair kit, which is pretty simple. Like it's got the plugs that allow you to patch the defect and then it's got a reamer that allows you to condition up nice thin holes like from a nail or something so that you can actually get the plug in there. There's a bit of lube so that you can actually insert the plug the whole way without getting stuck half in. Nobody enjoys that. And then there's this split needle with a sliding collar and all that does is it allows you to get the needle in there with the plug attached and then the collar holds the plug in place while you withdraw the needle. Once you've done this a few times it really is as simple as falling off a log but obviously there's one more kind of important component. Okay, so no standing ovation from the family, obviously, if you manage to plug the tyre, but you don't have a means of reinflating it. I don't mind this uh, 18 volt Ryobi One Plus inflator, they're about 139 bucks, and they work pretty well. You just program in the pressure you want, you hook it up, it goes, and then it stops when it reaches the pressure, so that's pretty simple. They make a cheaper one as well, which is just pistol operated, so there's that. The pro tip with using a power tool like this is if it's going to be in the car for weeks and weeks and weeks before you use it, separate the battery from the tool just so there's no leakage and that way you won't have a flat battery when you need it the most. And obviously, just make sure that it's fully charged before you set off on a big trip. Like, how hard is it? I left a Milwaukee power tool like that, it was a light. I left it in the ute for a few weeks and it flattened the battery so hard that when I put the battery in the charger, it didn't even know a battery was there. So then I had to do a really dodgy restart on like a jump start on the battery to put enough electrons in the battery to tell the charger it was a battery and you've got to be a bit careful about how you do that. So disaster narrowly averted there because those 12 amp hour batteries are pretty expensive. Anyway, I'd separate them and only insert the battery when you want to use the device as an added integrity hedge right there. So with these two things, let's repair like it's 1999. I always carry a Leatherman. It makes this kind of thing that's never in the script when you get up in the morning. It just makes it easier to improvise. So once it's out of there, use the reamer to condition the hole, which is a bit superfluous in this case because the hole's already big enough to accept the plug, but anyway, and then get some lubricant out of the kit and stick it on the hole. Make it easier to get the plug in there. So the hardest part of this whole process is getting the plug, A, out of the packet and B, into the needle. Because they're super sticky, they've been in the packet usually for years, because unless you're an avid off-road adventurer, you don't get too many problems of this nature, so they're hard to get out. They're like intrinsically hard to get out of the packet. You have to kind of rip them out, but don't worry about breaking them, because that ain't possible. And then get a little bit of lube. Right, and get it on the needle because the plug is disinclined to slip in there, right? And the only problem with all of that is that when you get it through the needle like that, the end that you've just put through is sort of super slippery and then it's hard to grip and pull through. So once you've got it about halfway through like that, it is primed for insertion, baby. It's like gagging for it. 
and you've just done the hardest bit of the whole job and the rest of the process is a frigging done deal. And remember, if it's a super big hole, you can put two, three, or even four plugs in there if you really need to improvise to get yourself home. Anyway, in this case, one plug is gonna be enough and you just jam it in there as far as it will go and then you get two fingers and you hold the collar hard against the tread face while you withdraw the needle, which is split at the point, and that allows the plug to remain in there. Once you've done that, you can just basically leave it because a couple of k's down the road, those remaining protruding bits of the plug are just gonna be worn away. If you want, you can cut it off. You can use your Leatherman to do that, or there's a razor blade in the kit as well, usually with most kits. After that, just reinflate, dude. That's all you need to do to get yourself back on the road. Okay, so just to put this in perspective, all right, that was an eight millimeter hole in the tread face. Like that is a big defect and it took just one of these plugs. And the longest part of the process is one of two things, right? It's either waiting for the compressor to do its thing and reinflate, or just rooting around in the back of the truck and finding the bits to do the job. Actually plugging the tire is piss easy, right? Anyone can do this. And if you've got a car with space saver spare tire and therefore some degree of limited mobility when it comes to long distance driving, you are a nut if you do not equip yourself with these two things just to maximize your mobility and minimize the chance that you're gonna be just waiting on the side of the road endlessly for support from roadside assist when, hey, you really don't need that. That's how you use the toys to solve this kind of problem, okay? There's more to the story than that though. Obviously, one of the things you should do, which hardly anyone does, is check your tire pressures once a week. Because if you do that, that will sideline the majority of tire failures, okay? If you're driving partially inflated, the sidewalls flex a lot more, they generate heat, and eventually they fail. And if that happens, they fail catastrophically. You'll end up with a hole in the sidewall about this long, and there's no coming back from that, okay? So obviously, you want to set off on significant journeys, like any journey, with the optimal amount of air in the tires. And if you're driving down the road and the car you're driving has a tire pressure monitoring system and you get one of those orange warning lights, then stop at the earliest opportunity and investigate the offending tire and the system will tell you which one, okay? And then just deal with it. Look for something like this that's buried in the tread like that. You can also often hear something like this because every time the wheel rotates, it goes tick, 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 tick on the bitumen every time the head of a screw like this hits the ground. So if you're mechanically sympathetic like that, you can probably hear it. I'd also suggest that if you're driving a car without that tire pressure monitoring system, a great idea is on long trips, in fact, on every trip, every time you walk up to your car, it's a fantastic idea to get into the habit of just doing a lap around the perimeter of the car and look at every tire and just look for a sidewall that seems to be bulging more than the others. 
and it's more obvious on some tyres than others. High performance tyres like these, they don't have much sidewall, so you don't see much of a bulge. But it's a great idea to check the car before you get into it, especially if you're going to be heading off down the road at 100 k's an hour or something for a significant length of time. Because if you can see the effect of a slow leak, up front you can solve this kind of problem before it turns into a catastrophic failure that's the objective here right i suspect that there's a great many tires rolling around on australian roads and the only time the tire pressure ever gets checked is at the annual service now i can tell you that if you do this once a week you will know exactly how your tires are going from a pressure integrity point of view and not only that you'll probably get another five to 10,000 Ks out of them because the easiest way to wear a set of tires out early is just to drive on them partially inflated. The wear rate goes through the roof. And I don't know about you, I'm just philosophically disinclined to contribute disproportionately to the profits of Dunlop, Bridgestone, Goodyear, Pirelli, whomever. <laughs>